0: Welcome to the Family Room, sponsored by Verse Sprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching. Because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio.
1: We're going to be talking about solid Catholic business principles that can be applied to our family so we can have structure and really concentrate on the family. I know, John, that's something you and I talked about, how you apply business to faith. Yes. So what are your thoughts on the topic today?
0: I just think that... That our guest has taken this like to the degree that we didn't even begin to imagine <laughs> as, as we spoke about this. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear. Plus, it's, th- this is going to be an honest-to-goodness, real practical application. There's no fluff here. This is the honest-to-goodness, real world. Wait till you see. I'm excited. Well, he's got more kids than most businesses uh, have employees, so uh, <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see how that goes.
1: Mari, what do you think?
2: Yes, I'm excited as well, and I love the level of detail he gets into this and how he makes it happen. I'm thinking, I'm laughing because some of what he shared with us, I thought, I tried to implement that in my family, and I think I was the only one talking, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody else really bought into it, so I'd love to also you know, hear how do you get... 15 plus two, 17 people on the same page going forward. Yeah, in my business life, I can make that happen. But in family, I don't know. It feels a little more.
0: Uh,
1: I can't do it with four, so yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So before we begin, John, as always, would you open us up in a prayer?
0: I will do that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks and praise for this opportunity again to be together, to talk about things that are uh, related to a family, to families, to, to understanding and knowing what is your will. Today, you've brought to us a very special person, actually some very special people, an entire family and 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 some principles. And we would ask you, as we always do, that you would open our minds and our hearts and make us docile to your spirit and make us receptive to those things that you would have us understand from this time together. Father, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So... Without further ado, we've done all this talking about the special guest. We would love to introduce to you, introduce to you today, Connor Gallagher. And Connor is coming to us. Uh, he did his undergraduate work at Franciscan University. He received both his M.A. in philosophy, so a master's degree in philosophy, huh. and a J.D. from Catholic University of America. He clerked for the Honorable Robert Conrad, Chief Justice of the Western District of North Carolina. Um, he's currently CEO of Tan Books. And, Craig, I think you guys are going to talk about that a little bit more in, yep. a, a little bit later. Um, he's on the board at Belmont Abbey. So our good friend, wise well, friend, Dr. Thierfelder, has been with us before. So they, they collaborate. I think Connor may have some humor to share with us on that front. Um, he's <laughs> author of, of of several books. Uh, if, if Aristotle's Kid Had an iPod, um, Still Amidst the Storm, um, parenting for eternity there's a lot of great stuff out there but really we 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 got wind of you connor through the the brief article that you wrote in legatus magazine about parenting 15 applying business principles to a family with 15 children so we are going to change when we're done with this interview connor we will no longer be the family room we will either be the family wing or the family zip code. We're not sure, but it'll be much bigger than just the family room. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Connor Gallagher. Connor, thanks so much for being with us.
3: It's a real honor. Gosh, thank you so much. You guys do such a great job on your show. And uh, it's I'm humbled to be here.
1: Well, again, we appreciate We're you glad. being here. Thank you very much. So Connor question. So you're a fourth generation of the Gallagher family that owns and runs tan publishing. And I think overall your company's 85 years old. Is that correct?
3: That's right. So 85 years ago, my great grandfather started a company called Goodwill Publishers and he was selling Bibles door to door all around the country, knocking on doors and and selling Bibles. And, uh, eventually, um, it's actually an interesting story. His, uh, his, uh, speaking of family, since that's our topic, his <laughs> wife died, um, and left him with a number of small children. And one of those small children was my grandfather, who was uh, about twelve years old. And he was he took his son, my grandfather, on a sales trip selling Bibles, and came across this Catholic monastery in Belmont, North Carolina, and knocked on the door of the monks and said. I can't raise this kid by myself, I'm traveling around. So he literally dropped my grandfather off with the monks and the monks raised my grandfather. And uh, and so wow. that began my family's uh, relationship with Belmont Abbey College and Monastery almost 100 years ago. Um, and then as my grandfather grew up and came of age, he and uh, his dad really took this um, Bible Company um, to another level, T- eventually founded the company that we now call Goodwill Publishers. But as that company went through a number of generational changes and diversifications, um, eventually my father and I got together and said, let's let's try to buy TAN Books, which was in bankruptcy 15 years ago. And TAN had done such an incredible uh, job at preserving the tradition um, during the crazy years of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And uh, so by the time we had bought tan, it was 43 years old. So it had quite a brand mm-hmm. and tradition. The founder did a tremendous service to the church. So um, I left the practice of law. And since so for the last 15 years, um, I came to work on April 1st. I always remember that because it was like a joke, an April Fool's joke, that, <laughs> I, be- I, that I became a businessman because, you know, I was a philosopher and, you know, mediocre lawyer. <laughs> so I, knew not- I didn't know how to run a hot dog stand. But um, but through you know my dad um, and other people I learned and uh, so we have turned Tan around and it's thriving and uh, most of my professional career has been the last fifteen years really building up Tan and I've become not just Tan's CEO but Tan's biggest fan I mean it's 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 uh, other than my family and my faith it's, I guess the most important thing to me in the in the world because I see the the good that it does sure. for people every day. So yeah, I am the greatest lover of pan you're going to find.
1: Nope, so a lot I of fruits that come kind
3: out of explains it. the connection with the family and the, the tradition and Google publishers. So there you go.
1: It does. The, uh, the other question on top of that, that was your faith walk. I mean, you went to the university of uh, San Franciscan university in Steubenville, but can you just unpack a little bit your faith life, you know, growing up and even now?
3: Happy to. So you know, I, I guess the way to explain it first is I, I definitely grew up in a solid Catholic family. Um, it was in the 80s and 90s in the South. So I guess what you would consider traditional Catholicism, like I never even saw it. I had no idea what that was. You know, it was liturgically, it was a kind of a crazy time and whatnot. But my my parents did a yeoman's job at teaching me sound catechesis and love for the church. And so I seriously considered a vocation, uh, went to Steubenville, I was— I went to Steubenville because I visited and saw the, the, you know, these kids were on fire for the faith there. And it was great. I think um, the thing that attracted me most to Steubenville, and this is just my personal experience. It was, it was the, the male professors Mm -hmm. and you know, in, in elementary school and high school, I basically had a bunch of liberal nuns that didn't like Catholicism teaching me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so it was, you know, it was, it was not, I mean, that's, that's an oversimplification, good people, but, you know, I didn't have any male strong role models except for my dad, you know? And so I went to Studentville to visit and I saw all of these wonderful, wonderful men who were passionate about their faith and education. And I went from a terrible student in high school to, you know, straight A, you know, almost straight A, you know, right, right out of the gate in Studentville because I love my professors. Mm. So um, it was also then that I started discerning more marriage because I was around these wonderful men. And I saw holiness was not relegated to the clerics. You know, it was to great Catholic men as well. So, so I really think the manhood at really, really had a big impact on me. Um, and then, uh, in that time I met this, uh, young lady named Ashley and, uh, eventually she became my bride. And the first time I saw her, it was, this sounds corny, but the first time I saw her, i have written about it. I said, yeah, I'm going to marry her. And I did. <laughs> um, and so, um, I really, really did. That's the first time I saw her standing in a church parking lot. It wasn't a student bill. It was somewhere else. And, um, I just knew, it, you know, so, um, and, uh, I think, I think, you know, I'm in more love with her now than I ever was, 22 years of marriage and 15 kids. I mean, I'm crazy about her. So, you know, I think um, back to the faith journey, I hope I'm not talking too much here guys, but you know, you get married young, we got married young and uh, started having babies and I had no money and we went to grad school and I took out loans. You know, it was like anyone that would loan me money, give me money and we're buying diapers and law textbooks (laughs) and philosophy books you know and i'm I'm going to law school during the day i got a kid um and my my dear wife we moved to dc she knows no one she didn't grow up with kids around she didn't know what she was doing um i'm going to law school all day during the day and i'm going to philosophy school at night because i was doing this two degrees at the same time and somewhere in between there i'm working for professors to try to you know get some milk money and um so it was a hard, hard three years and talk about faith journey. Here's some confession. I don't think you guys can give me absolution, but you know, um, <laughs> I, I was, uh, I was kind of, I mean, knew, I knew it was hard, but I don't think I knew how hard it was on my wife.
4: Mm.
3: And to any, any young, especially young, again, I'm just speaking to men because I am one, but you know, I, I Any young men out there who are busting their butt early on in their career or getting more education and they have this new mother, wife and mother at home, you know, you're not paying enough attention to her needs. I'll just tell you that right now. I don't care who you are. You're just not. Okay? So pay more attention. If I could go back, I'm not sure I would, like, drop one of the degrees or I'm not sure what I would do. But, man, I got on the metro. I left all day. I got home late at night, real late at night, checked in once or twice through a text message. And that was it for three years, hmm. and and I did, I did not fully appreciate, and I'm off, you know, having not a good time because it was hard work, but I did not understand how hard it was for my wife. So I have deep regrets about that, and um, I'm so thankful that she was so strong and persevering. And so um, we had marriage problems like anybody else early on, um, and, you know, and we we could fight like the Dickens, um, and uh, I'd lose. Um, so, um still do actually I, now i win a lot because she she lets me <laughs> so um but you know i think with every passing year our marriage really got better and um i made a joke the other day i said honey you feel like we're grow- growing old together and she said no i feel like we just grew up together mm. and that's tremendous insight so yeah my faith journey and my wife and children i, I think the reason you know why did god give me so many kids wow i mean there's most people just can't have that many even if they try
4: mm-hmm.
3: and I, I think it's because i think initially it really helped hold that marriage together and i think that my wife and i's spiritual journey together has been just so intertwined with all these little little guys that need us but even now that we have adult children you know my, my daughter is getting married soon one of my sons is entering seminary like we're traveling this journey together and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm rambling but that's that is my path to holiness is is Traveling this journey with her. It's not anything else. It's not going to adoration per se. It's not going to daily mass per se. All those are tools to help me fulfill my vocation, which is getting this lady to heaven and getting these little kiddos to heaven. That's the that's the faith journey, man. That's the best answer I can give. I'm sorry it was so long <laughs>
2: no, it, I, is. And it is. And I think we all heard your heart in that. And I think we heard a lot of things that we can relate to. You know, and here in the family room, we talk about the kingdom of God begins at home. And I think what you just articulated was what that really looks like. The kingdom of God does begin at home, that we are on this path of holiness together. That is, it's the greatest form and um, fulfillment of sanctification that we can have is uh, is being is really being married and, and having family and and recognizing what it does to you. You know, just even in your conversation there, we can hear the growth and humility <laughs> over time, you know, of you being so pursuing your own career, et cetera, to really understanding how it impacts everybody else. So, OK, so you you've touched on and already gave us some answers to this next question. But in one of the articles that we read, um, you know, you mentioned it's great. You know, the, you kind of you kind of skimmed over that 15 kids. But for most people, that's a huge deal. Right. So you say people just stare, you know, eyes filled with a mixture of fascination, awe, confusion and a tiny bit of terror. And they always ask you, how do you do it? So I think our listeners and we here in the studio would love to know, how do you do it? Fifteen kids. And you're actually we can see you. Our listeners can't see you, but you actually look like you've had a shower today. You look like you're well clothed clothes, right? You know, um, your beard is trimmed, right? So, there are
0: no beanie babies on your shelves yeah, behind you exactly. All appears to be in order.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So how, how do you do it? How do you and your wife do it? I should say,
3: I think you have to fall in love with the spirituality of imperfection. I think you have to fall in love with what the world might consider mediocrity. I think you have to fall in love with, with your own failings and the failings of others. And, you know, I, you know, so the, the, you know, it's funny. People think that because you have 15 kids that you're good at having 15 kids. <laughs> 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 yeah, right. You know, it's not, I mean, it's not quite the same as like, well, if I ran a marathon, I, I really did run the marathon, so I must be a good runner, you know? I mean, you know, I mean, having children is one thing, but raising them well is another, you mm-hmm. know? And so, um, uh, but no, I, I think we, I mean, I think we do a relatively good job in, in certain ways. And I think the first of all it's funny i'm the one and this ain't false humility this is not it's not that it might come across that way but it this is not that but i'm the one who's always talking and writing about having the kids when my wife is doing it you know i mean mean, she's the she's the superhero and all this stuff she's a but
4: here here's some here's
3: some interesting things we we've taken a lot of personality tests we love these self-assessment tools i highly encourage married couples Take as many self-assessment tools as you can and compare and contrast, whether there's strength finder tests or the Greek temperaments, uh, melancholic, phlegmatic, cholera, and sanguine. Um, There's many others that we've done. One of the coolest ones out there is called the Colby Index, Mm -hmm. which measures how you actually take action as opposed to how you just respond to things. Um, And so how do you actually – so every test – that man has ever made my wife and I have taken. Okay. (laughs) And we're, we're opposite in everything. Okay. I went out and found out of the seven and a half billion people on earth, the most opposite person of me in terms of temperament and personality, you know, but we shared this, this core foundation of our, of our beliefs and goals. But, you know, we have the, I mean, it's, it's hilarious. It's like, uh, she likes her steak well done. I like mine medium rare. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. everything. If, if my favorite shape was a, was a circle, hers would be a square. I mean, it's just, we're just so opposite. She likes chocolate. I like vanilla. I'm giving silly examples, but in terms of our personality and our strengths, we are opposites, but that's why opposites attract. And that's, it really is. I mean, so I think my point is that learn what your own strengths and weaknesses are. And most likely, your spouse has some strengths that you're totally lacking and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And then hone in on that and discuss it openly, discuss it in a spiritual context and realize, and once you become, it's, it's just like running a business since that's sort of the topic, a leader who is um, insecure doesn't ever want to hire people that have other skill sets than them. They kind of mm-hmm. want to be the, the king of their own little hill, but a great leader will surround themselves with people that are way better at other things than they are. Okay. It, it's the same thing with, with marriage. I mean, granted, you just fall in love with who you fall in love with. I'm not saying you have to get all your your girlfriends or boyfriends to take a personality test. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but build on the, the inner, uh, the, how, the, the different strengths and weaknesses that each of you have. That's how we do. That's how we do it. You know, in the sense of, She's really good at certain this morning. This morning, my my uh, 21 year old son who's graduating college, he he's having a, uh, let's see how it says like a like an issue. He has an apartment and he's and he's getting out of that lease, something that we've all been through. Mm -hmm. Well, even though I'm the lawyer, (laughs) she is 10 times better at like reading the lease. And dealing with the with the apartment <laughs> complex and teaching him how to maneuver through this stuff. Yep. And and I'm at home, you know, I'm I'm here working on stuff for work. So she's she, learn what your strengths are and be comfortable that the other person has much better strengths. Compliment each other. So that's one thing. I married my opposite. That was just a blessing from God, I think. The other thing of like, how do we do it is we just don't we don't do it well all the time. But as I said, we love the imperfection and we love the fact that this is just a journey.
0: Awesome. So, folks, if you're just joining us, you're listening to the family room. We're here with Connor Gallagher, uh, who's the CEO of TAN Books, and we're talking about a lot of different stuff. Um Connor it, it's as you we were talking about how you do it you said in there somewhere it's like running a business and I think you've done a really good job and one of the things that attracted us to you and your content was your ability to think about your family and in terms of a business and and I think one of the things you shared with us was like um your family has every company has a mission statement the Gallagher family has a mission statement and there's probably more to it than that you want to Can you take us through what's the mission statement of the, of the Gallagher family?
3: Yeah. So I think uh, every entity, whether it's a business or a a nonprofit or a parish or a family, and whether that's a family of just a husband and wife or just, you know, a dad and son or whatever, or uh, 15 kids, whatever it is, it's an, it's an entity that's separate from the individual. I mean, I think that's an important thing to remember Mm -hmm. just like a corporation is like a legal person that's separate from Connor, right? So as an LLC, so, so is a family and this family is something other than me. So I need my own personal mission statement, I think as a, as a, as a man. And I think my family needs its own mission statement. So I sat down one day and tried to go through the crafting of a mission statement with, with our children and my wife. And so, you know, ours is centered around fulfilling the first two, the, the, the two greatest commandments, love God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and and then love your neighbors yourself. It's that second one that tends to get in the way.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I, don't have, I, don't have a, I don't have a problem with loving God with everything. That's kind of I get that, but the neighbor doesn't really deserve it, so that's a hard one. That's a really hard one. Um, um, and so, uh, so I, that's kind of how we picked it and we phrased it in a certain way. Um, and so I encourage your listeners to sit down and craft. Two or three sentences. Now, that's that's one option is like a mission statement is like two or three sentences fleshing this out. Another example is a vision statement. Now, usually a vision statement is kind of more – people use these terms interchangeably. I'm not here to talk about all that. But a vision statement sometimes is much simpler. So the the vision statement for tan books is the purpose of our existence is to help people become saints. Period. Full stop. Nothing else. Like that's our purpose is to help people become saints. I've seen other vision statements with businesses out there, such as like the, I think the breast cancer awareness company there, theirs was cool. It was this to eradicate breast cancer from earth. Mm. Uh, that's pretty clear. Yeah. Right? See, there's no <laughs> question about what's right. It's very right. strong. That's a very strong thing. That's a great vision statement because it just boom in your face. So I think that you might want to consider a crystal clear vision statement like that, like get all, get each other to heaven no matter what. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Yes. You said it.
2: Yeah. And glorify God when you're still here, while you're still here on earth. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So you can come up with your own phraseology um, and it's a lot of fun. And it takes a couple repetitions. So crafting a good mission statement or vision statement, just like a business, it takes a couple iterations. You don't nail it the first time. It takes some time.
2: Okay. I, I do have a question, though. I'm visualizing 15 kids, you and your wife, all sitting there trying to do this. Any tips or tricks on how you got everybody involved and felt like so that they felt like they were a part of it? Obviously, the one and two-year-old may not have had much to do with it, but...
0: They crafted it. I, actually, <laughs> they were the. <laughs> you know, I,
3: I think the uh, kind of maybe lack, maybe it's lacking satisfaction of an answer for you. But the answer is, is the perfect's the enemy of the good. Right. Mm-hmm. So the fact of the matter is, is when we when we did our we did, you know, a year ago, we did a big sit down. And for whatever reason, there were two or three kids that couldn't be there. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if I wait until everyone's here, it ain't going to happen. So we just got to do it, you know? And so some of the kids weren't there, and they were left out. And it's like, sorry, and we, we proceeded. Um, so each family has to make their own decision whether, like, the little guys are there because they can, you know, get in the way. what I did is I took a first stab at it myself and crafted some things and kind of proposed it to the family and so, said, hey, what do you think about this, mm-hmm. Okay. And and actually, there's a little story in there that kind of shows you that this is not for dad or mom to just go and do alone. Um, Maybe it's mom and dad go and do alone, especially if your kids are little. But I, I do encourage you to get the kids involved as much as possible. But one of the things that we have that are kind of subsidiary to the mission statement is our our patron saint for our family. Mm -hmm. And I came up with St. Joseph in my little draft to kind of present to the family because I was just certain it was St. Joseph. And uh, it was probably like my five or six-year-old daughter at the time and um she said no i used to be mother Teresa." and i was like oh that's cute why well i got to meet mother Teresa. it's her picture in, of me shaking her hand is hanging on the wall in the living room where we were sitting so i was like okay she's just pointing to a saint you know that's on the wall that i met so i'm like oh that's cute and thinking no it's not her um and then i said okay well why do you think that you know i thought she said because she's on the wall and she said because she changed a lot of diapers
4: wow wow <laughs>
3: And you can hear the mic drop. And instantly, I knew that it was the perfect answer. Sorry, St. Joseph, you just took a backseat, buddy, and he's happy to, right? Because this was the perfect thing for my family. The Only the penetrating insight of an innocent little kid could have given me that. And so Mother Teresa is our patron saint. So every night at the end of the rosary, we implore her help. We seek her intercession. She's a patron saint in my family. Why? Because she changed a lot of bankers, and that's where we are in our state of life right now. So that's an example. We were talking about mission statements, but there's many other kind of things like core values, a tagline for your family, a patron saint. You can build around that. Um, And I'm trying to create tools to kind of help families really flesh all of that out. So it's not just a mission statement, but it's more of a comprehensive set of tools to kind of guide a family
1: and now we're getting back into that intentionality i take to keep bringing it up but every other show it seems like there's a key to this i think right? you do it
0: intentionally <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no i mean literally the success is based on being very intentional as we talked yes. about in work you know you consistently do evaluations you consistently look at your plan how do you tweak it how do you do better so it's great to hear that you can do that with your family and uh Sounds like you have a lot of success doing it as well, especially because you have found a way to beat Dr. Thiersfelder and having kids. So in your competitive nature, you've outkitted him by five. So nice job.
2: That's pretty impressive. After break, we do want you to break open some of those other tools. I, I think people are st- standing there with their pins ready. And I do have to laugh earlier when you said, you know, take all the self-assessments. And you said, well, you don't have to do it, you know, on the first date. I will tell you that one of my husband's favorite things to joke about is that on our second date, I made him take the Myers-Briggs um so
4: <laughs> and so yeah
2: he took it and we are quite opposite and it has worked we're about to celebrate 25 years of marriage in a few weeks and it has worked quite well so but a big piece of that is the respect so listeners we are thankful you're here with us in the family room where we're speaking with connor gallagher who is the ceo of tan books and also the father of 15 so stay tuned we will be back we'll be right
0: back inside the family room in moments sponsored by verse sprite on the quest
5: St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com.
0: We're back in the family room, sponsored by Verse Sprite. right here on AM 1160, The Quest.
1: We're here with Connor Gallagher, CEO of TAN Books. And father of 15 children. So, interesting with 15 children and then your family background uh, growing up, what was your favorite family room memory?
3: When you asked me that, the thing that came to mind, like I guess you think of, you're trying to think of a happy, joyful memory, but it's not my favorite memory, but it's the most important memory. Mm -hmm. How about that? That's That's good. We'll take that. And and it's I'm sitting downstairs one day, maybe see, he's fourteen. He was probably two. So probably twelve years ago. My little Paul. Um, and I wrote about this and still missed the storm. I got a chapter on it there. Um but um we heard him cry upstairs and as any parent knows, you sort of like you can tell a difference in like a normal cry and like a real cry. And uh we kind of start we we're listening, it's like that sounds more like a real cry. And then before we know it, his older brother's carrying the two-year-old down the stairs and he gets downstairs and we're trying to figure out what happened. make a long story short. He broke his femur substantially. The biggest bone in your body can kill you, you know? So I took, I literally took magazines and like a big ACE bandage and made a splint and I put him on the ironing board, like a stretcher and slid him into the back seat of our suburban and took him to the ER so we get to the ER and I, I thought it was broken because it was swelling so quickly. Like his little thigh was becoming like the size of my thigh mm-hmm. you know, extremely quickly. I'm like, he's had internal bleeding. He, he's going to die. They said, yep, his femur's broken. He's okay for now. we got to put him in an ambulance. So I took him to a child hospital, you know, an hour away, a children's uh, specialty hospital. Here's the memory though. Okay, my wife and I were both there. She eventually goes home. But he was so little they couldn't give him enough pain meds safely to make the pain go away. If they gave him any more, he would stop breathing and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So this kid is in agony all night long, and I'm sitting in this hospital bed, and the, every stinking time the nurses come into the room, which is like every two and a half minutes,
4: mm-hmm.
3: it would wake him up, and he would, he would kind of shake into awakeness. And it would move his leg and then the, uh, the agony would start all over. So here I am a dad with his two year old who's in agony all night long. And I can do nothing mm-hmm. to stop it. So, and I remember sitting there saying, Lord, if you would just snap my femur, please just snap my fem- femur and re- relieve this. Give it to me, you know, take this mm-hmm. pain from him and give it to me. If even that, I just wanted to enter into suffering with him. It was just like. I cannot stand watching my son suffer and there's nothing I can do. I would have so easily taken his place, you know, and I hear that it's, you know, it's worse than a bullet wound. I mean, you know, a femur breaks the most painful thing you can endure, but I would have done it in a heartbeat without thinking. And so the, the importance of that is until you endure something substantial, you don't know how much you love your own children. And then it's just merely a shadow. It's just a mere reflection, a penumbra of God's love for me. I mean, so, you know, until you experience some kind of deeper suffering, you just don't know what love is. And love and suffering are two sides of the same coin. They go hand in hand. There is not love without suffering, at least in this life. And Mm so um, that was the most important thing. And if you're not a parent, and it's not your little guy suffering, then you just can't experience love at that level in my opinion um or you know i guess you can have that same thing for a spouse but boy that was if you know if i had to pick like and this sounds really corny so forgive it but if i had to pick like one moment in my life my life when i like became a man in the sense like a rite of passage i don't i don't i don't get to like native americans run through the woods and like kill a buffalo <laughs> mm-hmm. and, like, become a man you know mm-hmm. you know but like i didn't go to boot camp i wasn't a navy seal and it really wasn't getting married and having kids that makes you a man. You know, it, it was that night. Mm-hmm. If, if there was one night I became a man, it was that night. Because I finally just discovered what love and suffering are and how they're related.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
2: Yeah. And you were sitting in your family room when that all started. So it's interesting how these memories are triggered, right? I was. Yeah.
1: So I have a question on your core values for your family. But I got to ask one other question. What did you learn the most out of that experience with your son. What did you learn about yourself or about God in that moment? I think I
3: learned that um, you know, how fragile these little guys are. When I mean, we had stumped toes and maybe little broken toes or something, but never something substantial like that. And uh, you know, I, I just I just learned I think the main thing is that, you know, this is why Christ became human. It's you know he took on our sins. He became one of us. He became the sacrificial lamb and spilled his blood for us. Um, so that we could go to heaven without enduring the same brutality that he was willing to endure for us, you know, which really is what the punishment of sin should be for all of us. And he took that from us. So, you know, there was just something sacrificial in that whole thing. And even though I wasn't, you know, bleeding for my son, uh, I was like a metaphysical, a spiritual sacrifice for him. I was, I was suffering as much as him. I guess there's another comparison. It's like Mary at the foot of the cross,
4: Mm -hmm. you know, Mm
3: -hmm. she would have taken his place, you know, Mm -hmm. she would have been scores at the pillar. Give me the crown of thorns. You know, I I just think all of that's the Catholic life. That's the authentic Christianity and children helped me discover that Mm -hmm. a book is not going to do that. Life does that. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: No, that's a great answer. So if you would, can you talk a little bit about the Gallagher family core values?
3: Sure. Uh, not that we live them all that well all the time. but
1: <laughs> I love the day. honesty.
3: I, I think core values, first of all, in, in business, guys, like CEOs go off to the beach for strategic planning session. They write a mission statement. They write their 10-year business plan. They write core values, and they hang it on a wall in their lobby and forget about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am big on how do you make core values the most real and practical thing in the world at your business? And once I discovered this and I said, I'm determined to not let this be hanging on the wall. I'm, I'm bound and determined to make it real. So let me give you an example of our core value at our business because it really will show you how to do this for your family. Core values, first of all, for us was not like, at the business that is, it's not like, honesty because guess what if you're not honest at 10 you're gonna get fired right, right. You know? so it's it's more like it's not pay to play things it's more like certain traits that you might not have all the way but you're trying to live up to one of ours and i love making up words plungerality which means the ability and willingness to use the plunger so it's our, it's my cute little way of saying humility around the office okay i mean are you willing to do anything to get the job done you know um we have things like agile and adaptivity and you know we have kind of typical core values at, at work but when we do employee reviews we use the core values as the metrics to kind of run through and we're very open and honest mm-hmm. you know and and we went off recently uh for an annual planning session up in the mountains and we 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 assess all of the managers together anonymously and got the re- so even i'm getting you know paint mm-hmm. on some of the core values by my staff and it was actually a, a hilarious event you know because we're all cutting up about there's no way I lack that or that you know, it was a very <laughs> funny thing. We have to make make light of our imperfections, but we learned a lot about each other and the perception of ourselves from others. So I did the same thing with the family. That's the point. And so you don't have to just have values or virtues that you find in the catechism. Okay. That's the main point. I want you to find what are the attributes it says not prudence, justice temperance, fortitude. That's we're not, we don't, it doesn't have to be that. Okay. It can be certain attributes that you need in your family. So mine, I do have the foundational virtue of humility. And then I write a little, little sentence about it because all other virtues are impossible without it. Mm -hmm. And then I also pick piety for us. Why do I pick piety? I'm not saying piety needs to be a core value for all of your families, but for me and mine, Piety, and I actually mean here like some physical piety, not just spiritual piety. Because when we're praying the Rosary, I mean we've had fist fights break out with the little kids <laughs> praying the Rosary. Like, I mean we. I'm not an externally pious guy. It's a default of mine, right? So you know, I'm at math, and people think I am not paying attention. And we're praying the rosary, and I'm just like, "Hail hey, Mary, full of grace, Lord, with thee bless art Like the Irish rosary, you know, <laughs> I, I lack this. I lack this piety, and I'm wearing off on of my kids. So, when we look at each other, we're saying, "You know what? We're lacking." is physical piety. I'm the kind of guy that can very easily fall asleep in Eucharistic adoration. Like hmm. very, very <laughs> we call that easy. resting in the spirit. Yeah. Resting in the resting in spirit. The spirit you know? <laughs> so you know, it's uh, you know, I I need to really amp up my game on piety and stuff so do my kids because when we're running through the Catholic stuff, it's like, hey, let's do the family rosary as fast as possible so you guys get the heck out of here and I can go to bed. I need to slow it down and exercise piety. So we pick piety. But here's another interesting one that I came up with. And I don't know what you call it. So we just named it an obvious word, which is no scorekeeping. What happens when kids are doing dishes and they have the chores, they're always fighting like cats and dogs over. It's my turn. It's my, it's my turn. You know, it's your turn. It's my turn to sit in the front seat of the car. It's your turn to do the dishes. It's your turn to sleep. You were gone last night and I did your chores for you. You have to do it for me now. And I a kids, there's no scorekeeping for God. Right. I and mean, he's the only, he's the only one that gets to keep score. You know, the last shall be first, the first shall be last, okay? How about them apples, kid? <laughs> do it. Do the chores. And so, you know, you have to you have to remind them no scorekeeping, no score. Because everyone loses if you keep score. That's actually the one core value we got that I think of the most, and I'm able to point to them and say no scorekeeping. When I did it last, that's
4: scorekeeping, <laughs> that's scorekeeping.
3: Very practical. You know? So it's So that's, that's an example I hope that kind of makes sense. Find your own that are extremely practical. They don't have to be in the catechism. They can be funny, make up a word. It can be a a phrase, it doesn't have to just be a word, but find something that resonates with your family that your family has to focus on. And you can easily use that as ammunition day in and day out with the kids and say, hey, let's focus on this, focus on this.
2: That's great. That is great.
0: If you're just joining us, you're in the family room. We're listening to Connor Gallagher talk about the core values of the Gallagher family. I work for a rather large, pretty well reputed organization. We'll just leave it at that. And the revenue is big and they're very well run and they have core values. But as a store manager for this company, we had Garbitology.
2: Garbitology.
0: Garbitology. And garbatology meant if you were in the management team, I expected you to be able to get in the dumpster or wherever you mm-hmm. needed to get as part wow. of the leader to take care of the garbage, because we don't just yep. let that go down the pipe. So yep. we taught garbatology. Yep. And there was a garbatology one thousand and garbatology four thousand, and we won't go into that. But <laughs> but there were there were two <laughs> levels of garbatology. So I'm t to- i I I love it. I think you yeah, I think what you're doing is awesome, not just because of that.
2: Yeah, I also love the fact that you made it clear that you chose your core values or your core virtues based on what you were aspiring to but also to those things where you knew that you had opportunity to grow. You know, you knew, oh, man, these might be things that I'm rubbing off on my kids. Um, and by the way, my mother-in-law also prayed that Irish rosary. I tried to get her to teach my kids the rosary when they were little and they couldn't understand her. She was talking so fast. So I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you said, huh, these are, these, this is also a virtue I know I need to grow in and I'm probably potentially rubbing off on my kids. And I'd, so I'd like to make sure that they get a chance to have some found far firmer foundation on that as well. So it's a good, a good way to ask your question for you as a family. So you also took some other things that are pretty business focused, like key metrics, you took lean six, Sigma, you took, uh, quite a number of other pieces and parts. What else would you want to share with us? that would be helpful for our listeners to think about as they're thinking about how to take their business knowledge and their business application or practices and, and use them to help their family run more to God's glory?
3: I would just say this, there's so many people, you know, start businesses. And so if you were starting a business right now, what would you what would you start doing everybody okay first of all you start figuring out domain you go to godaddy.com you figure (laughs) out what domains available you would you would start thinking okay what's this website look like you know how is it structured what's the drop down menu everyone would do this just kind of naturally Mm -hmm. if they started a business and they're trying to sell anything and make anything you would start you would start researching about how to proposition your customers what's the value proposition you would do all this stuff everyone does it business when when money's on the line well your kids souls are on the mm-hmm. line folks i mean so when you're doing all of those things setting up the business and reviewing it that's what we call working on the business versus working in the business right mm-hmm. i'm saying work on your family not just in your family you're working in it plenty trust me it's too, probably too much <laughs> part of the reason families are all messed up is because we do too much you mm-hmm. gotta do less that's the best time-saving technique in the world is just do less okay but, you know, in terms of another tool that you would do, something you would do if you were starting a business is you would come up with taglines. Mm-hmm. You would come up with some – you come up with your business name and you would have some kind of tagline because every logo you've ever seen has a tagline on there. Nike, just do it, you know I mean? You would come up with something. And so what's your family tagline? You can do that a couple different ways, but we picked a family scripture quote, right? So think about all the billion scripture quotes you've heard of, but what is one – that really resonates with you and your spouse and your kids that says, if I had to distill down kind of a scripture quote that summarizes what our family's aspiring to, it's this, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's what I would want people to know about that we're trying to do, even when we fail to do it. And so, you know, we picked as a family, he must increase and I must decrease John Mm 3:30. The
4: idea
3: is, I want my kids, especially, and myself. I say whenever whenever somebody says, I want my kids to do it, it really is a code for, I know I need to do it. Right? <laughs> so, But I, I want them to just realize that all of the things we're seeking in life and glory and everything is for God's glory. And it's not our glory. And when I take credit for something or you feel great that you did something good or whatever, you're stealing God's glory for that. Take the blame, but give all the credit to God. And so this is when John the Baptist is seeing Jesus come, and he says, he, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease, and that's what happened. Scott Hahn, who you all know, mm-hmm. I was talking to him not too long ago, and we were talking about getting older as parents. I mean, he's a lot older than me, but but we, but he has adult children, and I'm having adult children now. It's kind of happening quickly. And, and he said... Oh, no offense, Scott. I don't mean like you're way older than me. I'm just (laughs) saying you're older than me. But, you know, he's further down the road. He's the elder brother in the faith. But, you know, he said, I used to be a rocket, but now I'm the launch pad. Mm. And that just, and Mm. so that's all like my kid, his kids are launching from him, the launch pad. And my kids are now launching, and i become the launch pad. So in one sense, this phrase for me meant I have to decrease over time as my kids increase. And then I want them to do that as well with their own loved ones. And so it's all, it's, it's humility towards other and of course, humility towards God. So that's our scripture quote, come up with your own, find a, a perfect statement. That's one thing. I talked about the family patron saint, that's really cool. And then also I think there's, you know, seven beatitudes and go, go and find the perfect one that really represents your family. I pick um, blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God mm-hmm. for different reasons. You might need peacemakers. You know, I always ask my kids, can I please have a peacemaker? They're fighting like crazy. Can I please have a peacemaker? And one of them points to the other. He says, it's his turn to be a peacemaker. (laughs) You know, well, there
4: you go. (laughs) So
3: maybe you need peacemakers, but, and these can change. You can change it every year. You can change it every day. But, you know, the point is, is to be intentional, working on your family, not just in your family. The dishes will get done tomorrow. Don't worry. Take time out of your day. The kids are going to get fed. They're eventually going to get bathed, but take time out of your busy schedule to work on the overarching goals and spiritual goals and tools that your family need to, to, to reach heaven. And so those are just some examples. I got a lot more, but there well, you go.
0: Well, you said, Connor, you said something very early on. I think you, um, you even referred to, you know, the book, good to great. And, um, Jim Collins business. But, right. Yeah. yeah. And and so um, talking about metrics and things, one of the things that you brought up is like what fuels your family? And I'm not going to steal any of your <laughs> thunder, but, but in the spirit of metrics, <clears throat> the, the riddle for the hour would be, <laughs> how do you get a 10-year-old child to ask the Blessed Virgin 1,354,150 times to intercede for them at their time of death? So- yeah. You can answer what fuels your family and answer that riddle probably all at the same time.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, you know. So it, Jim Collins wrote the greatest business book of all time called Good to Great. It really is great. It's a great business mm-hmm. book. And, um, but he found that all of these companies that went from good to great, they had a key metric, like one thing, one primary number, and it was not revenue. It was like never revenue, right. okay? It was some ratio, you know, something. It might have been revenue per store visit for Walgreens or something like that. But, you know, it was always some key metric. And then they would shape their whole business around nailing that one key metric. And all the other financial metrics that are important for banks and shareholders would eventually come through as well. But they all had this thing that he called it drives your economic engine. It's this, like, rocket fuel it just makes the business take off. And it takes a long time to figure out exactly what that is. I think it can. It's customer retention. How many times can we get the average customer to buy? Three times a year? Eight times a year? How many? So, I mean, I think every company's a little different. So I said, what is that for the family? Okay, if the goal is to get them to heaven, what's the one thing I can do that I can really focus on and that we can bend our family around to do this and everything? What can I do? And I figured, well, pray the rosary, praying the rosary, man. And so, if we prayed the rosary, I think the math was something like, if a ten-year-old just prays the rosary, doesn't say any other Hail Marys, doesn't say the Angel, doesn't say any extra Hail Marys, they just prayed the rosary every day from the age of ten, I think, to the age of eighty. Yeah. So it's like seventy years or something like that. Yes. Um. Then they would say the Hail Mary like one point three something million times. And they would have asked our blessed mother to be with them at the hour of their death. What better investment can I make? I mean, come on, if you ask the blessed mother one point three million times to do something, she'll probably (laughs) relent just out of, you know, giving in. And and you, you don't always mean it to like to the greatest extent because again, we lack piety, you know? But Sometimes you're really meaning it. And if you put that effort in day in and day out, then you, you do mean it on a certain level. And she's going re- to respond. That, for me, I'm the dad. I'm making an investment into the kid's time every night. Not every night. We fail. But <laughs> most nights we aim for it. And we make that investment, guys, that is my return on the investment. Just like I have a key metric in my business where I expect a return, I expect a return on those Hail Marys for my little kids I expect them to get to heaven. I expect my blessed mother to be with them at the hour of their death because they're gonna ask for 1.3 million times. That's what they're gonna do. I love it. That's
1: pretty
2: cool. <laughs> That's great. That's very cool.
1: And enjoying uh, listening to you in particular because you, you continue to just have a flow of thought, which I can see why it melds itself into various books. Because as you continue to talk, I can see oh you could write a book on that. You could write a book on that. And I know you've got a couple of new books coming out. Uh you're never too busy and you have only one problem. And without really diving into all those a whole lot, I'm just curious because my wife would tell you I have more than one problem. <laughs> she only lying. has one. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> a very large one. <laughs> what is the only problem we have in your estimation?
3: Well, first I would say that um you do have we all have many perceived Problems, which really we should call suffering. Uh, you have an annoying neighbor. You have health problems. You have financial problems. You have emotional problems. You have business problems. Anything that a lawyer would make money handling. Okay, you have you have you have those problems. But when you really understand how divine providence works in our lives, you learn that all of that is placed in your life except your own sin. Even the sin of others, God places in your path. But your own sin is the only thing that your free will is, is doing without the grace of God, okay? Everything else, divine providence is controlling. So your one and only one problem, my friends, is to, whether you have abandoned yourself, trustfully surrendered to divine providence, everything else is a perceived suffering, a perceived problem, that God has given you for your own salvation. Your only problem is whether you've trustfully surrendered to his divine providence. You got one problem.
2: I think that's a Mike Druck moment right there. Boom. Uh, boom. Yeah. So Connor, we will have links to your, to your books and to your resources in our um, show notes for our listeners to be able to get to. Um, We would love if you have just uh, 30 seconds to give us a, a short prayer, just a blessing for our listeners as we close out. Are you comfortable doing that for us?
3: I'll give it a whirl. Here we go. (laughs) In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Uh, Dear Lord, I I thank you for this uh, wonderful show and uh, for these great hosts, for all these listeners, particularly all these moms and dads out there suffering through each day, trying to do their best, trying to love these little guys they got more than they love themselves. I ask your Holy Spirit to come upon them. I ask the intercession of our Blessed Mother. I ask all the patron saints and angels to really help Mom and Dad. To have the grace to work on their family, not just in it, and to step back and realize what a blessing all of these little sufferings and challenges are that they they perceive and endure every day, give them the hope of heaven, and help them to see that their family is a Calvary, and we must have Calvary in order to have the resurrection. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Father, Holy Spirit.
2: Amen. Connor Gallagher, thank you so very much for being with us today. Listeners, we thank you as well. Please join us here again next week in The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us in The Family Room,
4: sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.